Hello and welcome to the Silver King's War. I'm Michael Sievers, the writer, producer, and creator of this podcast series about my father's Second World War as a B-26 bombardier. Today we begin Act 2 in Marauder Men. It's entitled The Greenhouse, and Scene 5 is called B-26 Design. And it begins with Michael, the narrator, who is Stanley's son. The 90 days between Stanley's imagined tarmac meeting with Glenn Martin in Shreveport, Louisiana, and his surreptitious trip to Baltimore cover an Atlantic crossing on the Queen Mary and inland night rides to his airfield north of Paris. Stanley reached A-72 in mid-October. The weather was treacherous and limited flying time. The Allies had reached Paris in August of 44. His unit's new field location had recently been occupied by German flyers. The arduous overland journey offered a just reward. His 597th Bomber Squadron has comfortable quarters and excellent food. Seven men per room, a big stove and radio. The fellows are good Joes. The Baltimore scene is in Glenn Martin's massive private office. Martin, Stanley, and Peyton Magruder, the B-26 design chief, stand over a large drafting table. Each has a stool, cigarette, and impeccable clothes. A B-26 model sits on the table. Other plane models surround them in the background. Michael continues. Stanley's crew began flying for real on November 5th, 1944. His first mission in good night weather with a bomber's moon was clear and quiet. Nothing to it, really. The month had more missions and the guys talking about what, for many, was their first Thanksgiving away from home. Then the Silver King story takes a turn. Glenn L. Martin had contacted Hap Arnold, the commanding officer of the Army Air Corps, and requested a Baltimore meeting with a specific bombardier. The Martin conversation with Hap Arnold was about the executive's one-day VIP visit at Barksdale Airfield in Shreveport, Louisiana. During his tarmac tour, Martin met a second lieutenant bombardier, Stanley Lester Silverfield, and was impressed by the officer's B-26 knowledge. Would General Arnold arrange a holiday visit to Martin Manufacturing for Lieutenant Silverfield? The CEO of Martin Manufacturing wanted his B-26 designers and builders to meet a marauder man, a certain Silver King, and hear him talk about his experience with the plane. Stanley, playing cards with his crew between missions, receives an order from the 397th headquarters to meet his commanding officer at 1400 hours that afternoon. And there, Major George Leverton informs the Silver King that Glenn Martin wants to talk with him again, this time in Baltimore. Thus, 2nd Lieutenant Stanley L. Silverfield flies a secret mission to Middle River during Thanksgiving week, 1944. 
He meets with the Glenn Martin design team to modify the next B-26 models. The king had never seen Baltimore. This is Michael reading a letter his father wrote dated November 10th, 1944, from France. Dearest ones, not much has happened since I wrote last. I have two missions now. On the last one, it was only the cold that bothered me. The thermometer was reading minus 20. Believe me, that's cold. It's gotten very cold on the ground also. Today was probably the coldest day we've had so far. All afternoon, we were chopping wood in order not to run out. It's much too cold for that. I also received my PX rations this afternoon. They are getting worse instead of better by the week. There were no cigarettes at all, only candy bars. The smoking situation is so bad we've resorted to smoking German cigars. The Germans were thoughtful enough to leave them behind. My request now, please send cigarettes. I love and miss you, Stan. As the lights go up on this scene, Stanley has arrived in Baltimore and has just completed a tour of the Martin Manufacturing site. This is Glenn Martin, the Flying Dude. Lieutenant Silverfield, may I call you Stanley? What did you think of your Martin Manufacturing tour? And the King, addressing Glenn Martin. Mr. Martin, sir, it was humbling. I had no idea about the size and scope of what you do. I've never seen industrial operations like this complex of design and production. Thank you, sir. It's quite amazing. Peyton Magruder, who is the B-26 design chief, is part of the group, and he says, Boss, Stanley is an excellent informed officer. His questions, observations, and deference make him the right bombardier to help us refine this ship. And Glenn Martin, that's what I like to hear. We are proud to serve the Air Corps and every branch of our American military. Martin Manufacturing designs and delivers the finest fighting ships the world has ever seen. And the Silver King. Sir, I know that's true of my ship, the Southern Bell. It's lean, fast, and dependable. And Peyton Magruder. Stanley, what can you tell us about the B-26 to improve it for 1945 and beyond? Mr. Martin said you made keen observations about the ship in Shreveport. The Silver King, looking at uh, Peyton Magruder, Yes, sir, Mr. Magruder, I did comment about the ship. I told Mr. Martin that the Blue Ox saddle is awkward to maneuver. We carry the Norden bombsite and position it with ease, but the movements within the greenhouse are difficult because of its bulk. And Peyton Magruder. An interesting observation, Lieutenant Silverfield. We've heard similar stories about the Norden size. Mr. Martin and I have visited New York City to discuss changes with the company's executive team to make the Norden smaller and leaner. Unfortunately, 
The Army Air Corps' guardians of its larger bombers told us they wouldn't support any changes. Glenn Martin, smiling a bit. However, Peyton and I went to Washington from New York City, and we met with General Arnold and his executive officers. And two days later, General Arnold called me. He said the Norden housing will be adjusted for the B-26. And now the question is, how soon we'll see the changes? And the Silver King. That's impressive, sir. Our unit may get lucky and see the adjusted Norden before the new year. And Glenn Martin. I hope so, Stanley. Tell me, what is your sense of the European theater of war? And how is your unit? Is the Air Corps treating you well? And the king smiling. We're fine, sir. I can't speak with you about our war other than to say we could use more cigarettes and better mail service. Our families send wonderful boxes of snacks and surprises, but it's a long time before delivery. We get hungry between meals. As the lights go down on this scene in Middle River, just on the edge of Baltimore, Stanley and Glenn Martin have created a relationship over a few days of meetings and meals. Stanley stayed at the Belvedere Hotel. He met Martin's mother, Arminta, and together they are starting to develop a relationship that means something to both of them. Michael reads a letter that his father wrote on November 28, 1944, from northern France. Dearest ones, thank goodness the old mail is still coming in. With the recent mail so few and far between, there wouldn't be anything without it. Today I received your letters of October 7 and 9, and also the pictures of Richie. As always, when there is word from you, my anxiety is satisfied and my day complete. As for Richie's picture, I couldn't ever say enough about it. He is absolutely adorable, as handsome as he could be. My, but he surely has grown to be a big boy. I can imagine the fun you must be having with him in Chicago. All the fellows agree what a fine-looking boy he is. I'm glad you received one of my letters from England. Your letters have come in so screwy, I can't remember whether you ever received my other ones. I hope you did, because I'm sure it answered most of your questions. Thanks a million for making the deposit as I requested. As far as I know, you have made three deposits for me, two of your own and one from my allotment. I had hoped you would keep my allotment as partial payment for the first two deposits. Since you didn't, though, I expect you to keep the next two. I certainly have no need for the money now, and besides, I still have a balance of $215, so please keep the next ones as a favor to me. The boxes you've mailed sound wonderful. If only they would begin to arrive, all would be well. The robe sounds swell. I'm glad you bought one. I never believed I could use one over here, but I've changed my mind now. It will be a great comfort, believe me. The food sounds absolutely marvelous. I can hardly wait to receive it. 
it certainly couldn't come soon enough to suit me. As for the miniatures, you could have just as well used the space for something else. My liquor ration for the month was a fifth of black and white scotch. This with the champagne and gin and cognac, I have plenty. Thanks just the same. I won't have any trouble getting rid of it. I'll let you know as soon as one arrives. I still can't believe Leona has had another baby. I suppose it will be that way until I get to see her. In the meantime, please write me all the details. I know you'll be busy watching over everyone, but write whenever you get the chance. I'm anxious to know all, and sincerely pray all is well. This has been a miserable day, rain and cold. It isn't a fit night for man nor beast. I hope when I get to Paris in a week, it will be much better. Dad, I suppose you'll be running back and forth quite often now that the baby has come. Please take care of yourself, and don't be too lonesome. Mother, I am sending this home as I write to Chicago. Yesterday, I want each of you to hear from me. Good night for now. I'll write again soon. Keep well. Love to Ida. I love and miss you. Stan. This is the end of scene five in Marauder Men, titled B-26 Design. And you are listening to The Silver King's War.